And welcome to Texas Money and Business. My name is Ron Taylor. It's good to have you right here for the show. And we welcome our good friend Doug Parker with Ambitious Radio Network. Doug, good to see you. Welcome back. Good to see you as well, Ron. Uh, how's everything going in your world? It's going well. Going well. And we have a great guest today, it appears. We, we sure do. We sure do. We're going to get right to that here in just a second. We've got David Cook. He's the Associate Dean of the School of Leadership and Program Director for the Master of Arts in Leadership at Dallas Baptist University. You know, you've heard me talk. That's where my daughter's going. It's down to DBU, and right. we're so proud to have her down uh, Have her down there. But um, before we get started, I just want to kind of throw a couple things out there. We've got a uh, – all this is made possible by our sponsors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've got a new sponsor. We've got Grasshopper. It's the Entrepreneur's Phone System. We've also got RepairMyCreditNow.com, AutoFlex Leasing. In a couple weeks, we'll have David Game. He's got a great story. He uh, started in 1985 as a salesperson down there. And ultimately now is the managing partner. And so it just, you know, kind of came from the very bottom all the way up to the top. Great. And uh, all three reports.com. It's all three reports with the uh, S.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyway, with that being said, you know, just just uh, as we kind of get started, Dave, tell us just a little bit kind of about yourself. I mean, I, I've met you a couple of times now, and I've really uh, enjoyed kind of what you're all about in your story. But just, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, let me say, we're, we're glad to have your daughter at DBU. That's exciting yes, and uh, good to have it all in the family. Absolutely. We, uh, uh, for me personally, uh, I've grown up around a college campus and have loved that. My my father uh, was president of DBU and, and has now... Uh, we're moving into a role as a chancellor, and so it's been exciting to see it grow over the last twenty-seven years that he's been there. You know, now I didn't for some reason I didn't connect the dots on that. So it, it, I guess is the business school named after him? Uh, it's the leadership school. The yeah. leadership school. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I did not connect that dots when I when I saw Cook. I just didn't connect the dots. So that's a we'll get into that here in a few minutes as well. But that that's uh that's unbelievable. So, so you it's, were, so it's been fun to teach in a school that is named after my dad. Absolutely. But, uh, but God brought me here kind of a, through a circuitous, circuitous route. Uh, okay. I went to college and and I'd always felt a, a great love for higher ed. I saw how much God has used that in the lives of, of not only me and friends that I had, but just a lot of young people over the years. What a what a pivotal time it is in people's lives. Mm-hmm. And so I'd all, always had that great love. But during college, God called me to law school. I felt a real desire to go serve serve people in in the legal field and went went off did that. And, and then eventually, God called me back to a Christian higher education setting. Cool. Well, you know, and it's kind of funny. Uh, you, you've you've said a couple things just in the first couple of minutes, and I want to touch on something. The other day, I got an email from one of our listeners, and when I first got it, I thought one way, and then I thought through it a little bit more, and I, and I, and I thought of it a different way. So, Ron, I haven't even told you this, but I got an email, and it didn't. There wasn't a name in it. There wasn't a return email. All it said is. So this is a religious station. That's all it said. <laughs> now I took it as almost as a negative. I think okay. when I first read, it, I thought so. They're saying it's a it's a it's a religious deal. And you know, we talk about leadership. We talk about entrepreneurism. But interestingly enough, for whatever reason, it just seems to come up. I don't know if it's the people that I know. I don't yeah. know what it is. Yeah. But it's coming up on a, on a regular basis. But then I reread it and I thought, well, maybe they're saying, hey, is this a is this a uh, a religious show? Mm-hmm. Say, you know, just a little different inflection there. So I don't know what the answer is there. I mean, I, it's a platform. I think it's a cross around your neck, but you know, I mean, that's just an <laughs> observation, Doug. But uh, no, it's a good point. Well, you know, but I just you know, like I said, we we have a bend towards leadership, a bend towards yeah. entrepreneurism and business. However, um, you know, we're not going to run away from it. And right. you know, I think it's just fantastic as you're talking about those things that uh, you said how God led you to to these different things. And, you know, I think that can be sometimes 
uh, if we don't if we don't hear what we think we want to hear, we'll we'll go back and and, and say something yeah. else. Or if it's if it seems like the direction we want to go, we may say that it's it's godliness. But let's talk about that a little bit. Sure. What as you as you process through, process through that, what was it that made you feel like you were led to to do the things that you did? Well, you know, I, I felt a real calling. Um, I felt like God had gifted me in some areas that would that would play well in, in the legal field. Okay, and so even though I knew that. God was ultimately calling me to work with students in a higher education setting. I felt like he had something unique and special that he was calling me to during that time as a lawyer. And it really, you know, law school toughens you. It, it helps you learn how to be a problem solver. Mm-hmm. Uh, as an entrepreneur, I, I started my own uh, law firm, uh, and that taught me so much about business and how the world works. And, and so I think God intended for me to learn a great deal during those 10 years and then to be able to bring that and help students out of it. I have students all the time who want to go to law school or they want to make a difference in the world, and they come talk to me, and I get to share my own experience. And so that's been one of the greatest things that uh, God's allowed me to do out of having that kind of, that, like I said, that circuitous route. Sure, absolutely. So now I'm assuming if, if you uh, your dad's been at DBU for 27 years or whatever the case is, I'm not sure exactly how old you are, but I assume you grew up in this area, right? I did. So did you grow up in, in kind of the south part of town? We grew up, I grew up there on the campus, and so uh, really loved getting to be around college students all the time. It was a great thing. Now, there weren't a whole lot of neighborhood kids to play with, right? but I had 20-year-old you know, playmates. That, so uh, you literally grew up on the campus. Yes, yes. That is unbelievable. That is one of the most beautiful campuses. I, honestly, we looked at quite a few, and Valerie was deciding where she wanted to school, and it has to be one of the most beautiful campuses, really, that I've ever seen. Um, you know, I think there's a couple other ones out there across the country that are probably pretty good looking too, but this Mm -hmm. one is with the rolling hills and the, you talking about the, the, when you look at that, that, uh, Pilgrim Chapel on the hill up there, it's, it's unbelievable. Well, I appreciate that. That's so kind of you. We we wanted to make a place that was, that would, would just be a a haven for students Mm -hmm. where they could study and learn and grow and it has obviously become a really beautiful landmark. So. Yeah, absolutely. It really has. And so then you went off to Baylor, and uh, so you're a Baylor Bear. I am. And uh, so I think they're uh, they're doing pretty good. But did, did, they, did something happen to their quarterback the other day? Well, he, you know, it's it's been amazing. We, we've had such amazing quarterbacks over the years, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden – uh, to have one go down with injury um, yeah. was was a pretty tough blow. But he I, had to bring that up, of course. And the, of course. Well, no, I mean, I don't have a dog in the hunt. You know, I, I, you know, I've never been to college day in my life, so I'm going to talk a little bit about some of that stuff later. But. I, I'm excited about our, our freshman quarterback. He looks pretty good. Though. Yeah. Cool. Well, that should be pretty so. exciting. I mean, they're they're very highly ranked, and and I know they're well coached and everything else. And and so, um, but then you went to SMU after that, right? Went to SMU for law school. Had a great experience. You okay. know, it, it sharpened me, honed me. Uh, you know, being but afterwards being both an entrepreneur and a lawyer, I, I was grateful for the the type of training that I got there. So I often wonder that. So I, I'm a pretty uh, analytical guy, but I, I like stuff to match perfectly and all that kind of stuff. And and so I often wonder what makes someone go. I'm sure does Baylor have a law program? They do. Yeah. So what makes someone choose? You know, to instead of going with Baylor. Why, why, why would you go with SMU, or why do people do stuff like that? It's a good question. I, you know, I try to counsel students about where they want to be and where God's calling them to be. And, and um, so I wanted to be in Dallas, and SMU has a great name in Dallas. Baylor does too, but Baylor's really geared towards trial law, okay. and I wanted to be more of a transactional lawyer. Okay. I wanted to help people do deals and, and be an outside general counsel for small businesses, and that gotcha. was kind of my heart. So. Okay, well that that makes a that makes a lot of sense. Um, I I never really realized you know the the thought process behind that. So that makes makes a lot of sense. Um, now as we mentioned, you're obviously a, a big believer in higher education. So, sure. um, 
there was a time in life where I thought, you know, man, I, educations are overrated. You know, I've been pretty successful without it. And, and that was my bend towards what was going on because that was my set of circumstances. And when I was growing up, I really didn't think that I even had an opportunity to go to college. Little did I know, I grew up in a little East Texas town and, and um, I, I probably could have. But life worked out all right. It reminds me kind of a, of a Ronald Reagan quote. Some reporters one time were kind of busting him up a little bit, you know, talking about how he made C's and D's in school. And this was after he was the president. He goes, yeah, I often wonder what I could have accomplished if I, if I just would have made a little better grades. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, um, but but when it comes to that higher education, I mean, you are – just, I mean, you're in it. You're, I think I saw somewhere that maybe you're working on a PhD now as well. I am. So you grew up, your dad's real involved, but um, what personally kind of drives you to continue to just want to educate yourself? Sure. It's a great question. I mean, you know, what I've seen in my own life and in the lives of so many others is that higher education is about skills, but even more so it's about learning how to think and problem solve. So okay. one of the things that they kept on pounding uh, in in law school was that um, we're not here to necessarily teach you about every law that's out there. Okay. What we're here to teach you is how to think like a lawyer. And in thinking like a lawyer, you then have the skills to go and solve the problems that you're going to be faced with okay. as clients come to you. And I think that's true of every, every area of, of higher education. Um, you know, my PhD program is not going to teach me everything under the sun about leadership, but what it does is it equips, it, it equips me, it gives me a depth, depth of knowledge that then I'm able to go and use those skills, uh, to really problem solve and to be a, uh, be a better leader and help others be a better, better leader. Yeah. You know, I was talking to one of our other guests last night that was on the other day, uh, Dr. Conway Edwards, and, um, he was telling about, he's talking about leadership. He's got a PhD in leadership and he said that, um, one of the things he thinks that has really helped him over the years with actually leading, not just being educated on leadership, but he spent about 12 years every single day trying to pick up something on leadership every single day. Sure. And he says now it's kind of unconsciously competent. He just knows what he knows, but he doesn't necessarily know how he knows it because of all those years of going through it. So we're going to wrap up this segment. And we've got David Cook of Dallas Baptist University here with us today. And we're so thankful that he is here. In our next segment, we're going to talk a little about some of his favorite books and uh, some other things about how, how actually how he started his law firm and then decided to come back to Dallas Baptist University and teach courses on leadership and conflict, a Christian worldview on leadership and great leaders in history. This is Doug Parker on the Ambitious Radio Network. KEXB, experts in business on 620 AM. We are back here on Texas Money and Business, and it's so good to have you right here. want to thank uh, some sponsors for Ambitious Radio Network, RepairMyCreditNow.com, and Autoflex Leasing, our friend David Blassingame. And Autoflex Leasing and uh, the great sponsors of Ambitious Radio Network with Doug Parker. Doug? Yes, sir. Well, so today we've got David Cook of Dallas Baptist University, or as I call it, DBU. Um, with us today. So anyway, we're going to get into kind of some of your favorite books, some things you did with your law firm, those kind of things. And I know you said that uh, Good to Great by Jim Collins was one of your favorite books. And, and honestly, that's one of my favorites, too. I've, I've read the whole series, Good to Great, Built to Last. Uh, great by Choice. Great by Choice, yeah. which actually that's my favorite out of the bunch. Um, but but talk about Good to Great. What is it that you like so much about it? I, I just like the way that Collins, Collins really approaches it. He approaches leadership from a very pragmatic level. And I think you know, um, leadership is not a theoretical thing. It's about it's about being with people. It's about being relational. Um, you know, some, in all of his books, he 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 tries to focus on it's not about being big and brash and having these grandiose visions. 
It's it's about having relationships with people. It's about getting, as he says, getting people on the bus, the mm-hmm. right people, getting yep. them in the right seat, uh, all those types of things. I, I really that really connects with me. Is is it's about people. It's about serving, and it's also about trying to, as he says in Great by Choice, plot along, have that twenty mile march. Yep. Every single day, get it, get out there and march every single day. It was a North Pole story, or South Pole, I think. Yeah, I think it was the South, South Pole. Pole. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, one guy made it there faster, but he didn't make it back. So it was kind of a, uh, you just every single day plug along. Well, in, in, in good to great, you know, I think he talks about, he calls them a BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goals. Yes. And then he talks about the flywheel, that, you know, getting it spinning is, is a little bit more tough. But once you get it going, it's a lot easier to keep that thing spinning, and it builds momentum, and and easier, so that's a that is a really a great uh, great book series, and and uh, definitely highly recommend it myself. Uh, one thing, guys, anything that we talk about, we're going to have on Facebook, or we'll have it on the Ambitious Radio Network, ambitiousradio.com. So if you miss something, feel free to to go back in and and look at it on the site or on Facebook. And you know, as we kind of continue on, you know, you became a lawyer. You talked about you really wanted not so much. I think you said not the the litigation side of it, but maybe more the the business transaction or transaction actions in general side of things. And so some people go to workplaces and then some people start their own firms. I guess there's a million different things you can do, you know, when it comes to being an attorney, but let's talk about that a little bit. How did you, what made you decide to become an entrepreneur and do your own thing as opposed to just going to work for somebody else as an attorney? Well, it's a good question. I did work for a a mid-sized firm for about six months after graduation and that was really good. But, you know, I, I, I wanted to be able to represent clients and have, have that face-to-face face to face interaction. I wanted to be able to do things the way that I, that I really wanted to, to see this, this thing grow. Um, and that was really the big impetus for me. As I prayed about it, as I thought about what I wanted to do with my life, it was helping to serve people. And, and being back in a back room, doing document review, doing some of the things that young lawyers typically have to do, I thought, you know, let me see if I can work with people. And really, that's, that was the impetus for me. Gotcha. Did what tell any fears that you might have had? I mean, you know, you're you're working somewhere, you're fresh out of school. I mean, six months is not very long. Then all of a sudden, you're like, you know what? I'm gonna go do my own thing. I'm gonna jump into the deep water. What? Sure, it, it's scary. You know, I, I'll say, you know, people listening who are entrepreneurs, it is. It's not that it's not scary, uh, but for me, I, I knew that it was something that I wanted to do. I felt called to do. For me as a Christian, you know, I I, I felt like God was leading me to do it, and I knew that that uh, if I was being called to do that. Uh, then there was a purpose for that. And so, yes, it was scary. Our, my wife and I, you know, ate beans quite a bit and mm-hmm. uh, beans and rice. And, you know, so it wasn't that it was all, all of a sudden just overnight successful. Right. Um, I'll say my, my, my wife was a teacher and she supported us pretty much for those first couple of years. Yeah. But over time, it, it became something that I loved and really did become profitable. Gotcha. That's fantastic. Well, I know that you teach classes on Christian worldview, leadership in, in conflict, and then also great leaders in history. Uh, t- talk about maybe one of your favorite leaders. Sure. So we uh, uh, we just got done talking about Abraham Lincoln. He's obviously a great person to talk about. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago. He's a fascinating guy because of how much he um, he cared about his people. You know, he, he, there's a great book, uh, from the 1980s, uh, that talks about management by walking around and it, and it highlights how Lincoln did that. He got out into the fields quite often. He would talk to soldiers. He would talk to the people in the telegraph office. He was constantly trying to get information and also show people that he cared. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a great master of dealing with people. He had a 
there's a great book called Team of Rivals by uh, Doris Kearns Goodwin, and and he, more than any other leader probably that we've had in the U.S. Uh, presidency, uh, was able to bring together people from very different backgrounds who at the, at first didn't really like him, right. and yet he said this is what's going to be best for the for the country. We need all these people to be working together to save the union, and it's just a, it's a great story for young leaders to hear about someone who put aside his own personal ambitions and said, we're going to do this for the best of the country. Yeah, I was in a, in a very obviously chaotic uh, time. And, you know, if, if it had been, you know, just a couple of degrees one way or another, there's no telling what what we'd be in right now. So it's uh, a great leader, you know, during that time. I've actually got two framed um, photos and, and texts on my wall at the office. One of them is Vince Lombardi, and it talks about, you know, first place, and it talks about second place, unfortunately, too. Sure. <laughs> but Because second place is the first place loser. But on Abraham Lincoln's, it talks about perseverance. And it talks about all the things that he lost. And it talks about, you know, Senate and, and I think a Congress run, and then, you know, he bankrupted and lost this business. And that. I mean, it goes to this whole list of stuff. And then at the bottom, it talks about how he signed his name, A. Lincoln. And how ultimately persevered through all of that and and became you know the president of the United States of America and and again one of the best leaders ever in, in history. So that's what's so interesting is that um, study after study shows that for most leaders, sometimes the hardest things in their life, the the failures, are actually mm-hmm. what propel them to be a much better leader down the line. Yeah, I, you know, I I've talked to several folks over the years that are pretty successful, and I, and I often ask them. I came from pretty pretty humble beginnings, you know, never really had a whole lot of money. I mean, I always had something to eat and always had clothes, you know, not totally, totally poor, but I've been, you know, not not terribly well off before. And I've asked these guys, you know, how do you provide for your children a different level than what you had, okay, but not spoil them? Because, you know, I mean, my daughter's going to DBU. We both know it's, it's not very, uh, it, it is very expensive, I should say, to go there. It's not just a, a community college. And I wanted to have that opportunity but I don't want to spoil her. And so it's always this, you know, yin and yang of trying to figure out how much is enough, how much is too much. What can I show them that, that I didn't get to see? I mean, both my kids have been to Europe. I've never even been to Europe. You know what I mean? They went there sure. with their Latin class. Sure. Um, so that's a, it's a real delicate deal of how you get through it. But that character building, it seems like the toughest times in life are what really builds you and gives you the, you know, the stick to itness to get through it and make it happen. So I was talking to a group of young professionals this morning and just, you know, kind of encouraging them, tell your children about the tough things that you faced, mm-hmm. how you overcame them and how God used that in your life. And I think it'll help them to see that life's not always rosy. Sure, sure. Well, so let me ask you this. Um, you know, when it comes to advice, um, what's what's maybe one of the best pieces of advice maybe you've given before? You know, from a Christian perspective, that's something that my dad has, has over and over told me. It's, it's a line from a, a poem. It says, um, uh, this life is short, will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. And that's really stuck with me throughout uh, my time as I've ministered, both as a lawyer and now in higher education. Um, for me personally, in my, my faith, uh, I want to make sure that every day I'm doing something for Christ that will last. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's pretty, that's pretty deep there. Well, we've got just a couple of minutes uh, left in, in this segment, but if you could go back and, and tell the, the David Cook of 10 years ago one thing, um, what, what, would you, what would you come back and tell yourself? Well, I think I've been humbled quite a bit, 
in the last uh, you know in the last ten years. You kind of come out of college thinking you know everything, and I, and I and I wish that I would have stopped and slowed down and just said, you know, I need some help. I need it's it, there's no shame in trying to get help from people and learn and grow because some of the people who have been before us can be our best assets. Absolutely, no, that's fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what. As we wrap up this segment, in the in the next, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about leadership, mentoring, your experiences uh, in your own business, and and really kind of some of the things that you do to recharge. We got David Cook of Dallas Baptist University is very uh, involved in their leadership at the school, and we'll be right back here on KEXB Experts in Business six twenty a.m. and the Ambitious Radio Network. And we are back in the program here, and of course it is Texas Money and Business, Ambitious Radio Network, and a few sponsors to thank, RepairMyCreditNow.com, All3Reports.com, that's all three, the number three reports with an S.com, and of course Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. I've heard of these guys. Man. Yeah, they're, they're one fantastic. of the new ones. Yeah, we, we, we just got connected with them uh, a while back, and they, they uh, thought, you know what, the Ambitious Radio Network, entrepreneurs, I think it's a great fit, and Very so we good. were able to to put something together with them. So we're real excited about having them as a new sponsor. And we've also got Town Square Financial as a new sponsor. Um, they're coming on. And, and if you need a mortgage, those kind of things, that's what they help out mm-hmm. with. Uh, Jeff Janash over there is really just a top-notch guy. I've known him for uh, for years. And uh, like I said, if you need a mortgage, go see them. Telephone number 972-292-7600. Ask for Jeff. And uh, just, a, just a great great group of guys. So, Again, we mentioned we've got we've got David Cook here. He is with Dallas Baptist University, just a top notch leadership professional, expert, entrepreneur, attorney. I mean, you name it. This guy's doing it all. Um, let's talk about maybe kind of you know who's who's mentoring you, who are you following, kind of some of those things. Well, um, for right now, I mean, I think there are two people that uh, have mentored me quite a bit. Obviously, I mentioned my dad earlier on in the segment. Yeah. Um, he's been a great leader to learn from and. And, you know, and when we were ending the previous segment, I mentioned, you know, sharing with the next generation, uh, both your successes and your failures. He's done a great job of that, of showing me, you know, the really tough times in his leadership, but also the the ways that he has been able to succeed. And, and that's been a, a wonderful learning lesson for me. Uh, and then other uh, also there, you know, I've had pastors in the past who have invested in me, teachers. Uh, there's been, you know, four or five people in my life who have just really invested. And so it's given me a spur to now as a professor uh, to want to invest and mentor my students. Sure. I think that makes a makes a huge difference. Is there anyone out there that the average Joe could just look up and, and is there anybody that you're following or anybody that a pastor that you may say, you know what, this is somebody that, that if you can go buy a book, if you want to look something up, this is somebody you might want to follow. I know your dad is there with you, obviously. Sure. Um, but uh, anybody that, that, uh, like if Doug Parker wanted to go check him out, anybody you can think of off the top of your head? Well, you know, um, something that comes to my, comes to mind, mm-hmm. you know, again, it's, it's a, it's a guy from history, but I love history. And William Wilberforce is someone who I had never really heard about until a few years ago. Watched a movie about him called Amazing Grace. Okay. Uh, if you don't know about him, he was the the courageous leader who spearheaded the effort in England in the 1700s and early 1800s to end slavery. Okay. And it took him 20-some-odd years to do that. And he just plodded along, kept on fighting. And, and, it, and it really was an inspiring story. Um, Eric Metaxas, who spoke at DBU recently, wrote a book called Amazing Grace, uh, and, and it was just probably one of the most inspiring books I've ever read. And so, um, 
that's one that I've read recently that I just thought, you know, if I could be like that, I, I, I would love to learn how to be be a courageous leader like that. Absolutely. No, that's that's fantastic. So so those are some pretty deep subjects, pretty serious. Let's just talk about, you know, things that you do to recharge, those kind of things. Um, what's your favorite movie? Oh, that's a good question. So, um, y- you know, I'm always fascinated by um, – I-, I loved the, the movies like R- Rudy and Hoosiers and things like that. Um, I loved sports growing up. I always thought I was going to become a, a ba- major league baseball player right. until I realized that I didn't quite have the talent for it. <laughs> uh, but so I loved those types of movies. I, I saw that there's a new movie uh, coming out uh, that, that'll be uh, written by the same guy who wrote uh, wrote those uh, those books. And so, okay. um, so I love those kind of sports movies. Well, I tell you what, if you haven't seen Woodlawn yet. I will tell you that we went and saw it the other day, and it is unbelievable. Really, um, it really is. It's Good. a great, great movie, and I and it has it has a lot of Christian. I would say undertones, but it's really overtones. I mean, it's very overt. It's not. It's not just kind of in the background, but it, it reminds me a lot of Remember the Titans. But it's what pulls them together is the the spirituality and the things that that are going on, and it has uh, Sean Astin in it, which is obviously the guy from Rudy. Okay, there so you it's, go. Yeah, it's it's a very good, uh, very good. If you haven't seen that, go check it out. Um, what do you do to recharge? You know, I I love traveling. My wife and I just got back from uh, New England. It was our ten year anniversary, and we uh, we decided to go up there and just see see the leaves. Uh, we we love both love antiquing, uh, so we did, we did that while we were up there and just had a great time. Uh, just in our car driving around. So yeah, it's it's good to recharge. You know, I've, one thing I've noticed about entrepreneurs and and leaders, folks that are really kind of hard charging. Sometimes they're not like the normal person. I mean, it's like, you know, sometimes a vacation to them, if they're trying to check out for seven to 10 days, they go start going stir crazy in about three or four days. But you still have to recharge every once in a while. There's something. I know you said something about maybe you like the uh, like the mountains and some of those kind of things as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, my wife has been talking to me about going up to the uh, New England area this time of year whenever, you, you know, see the colors, the fall. We don't have it here in Texas, you know. Um, but. But, I tell you what, being from Texas, it's weird to be able to drive two and a half hours and be in the mountains, right. and drive back and be be on the coast. Yeah, you know, here in Texas, you drive two hours and you're you're not even outside the yeah, state. Exactly, you know? two hours, you're not yeah, you're not even to Louisiana yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, from Dallas anyway. But well, that, that's cool. So, um, are there are there things that you see from a a work life balance? I mean, if you grew up on campus at the school, so you're I'm sure your dad was pretty much like you're always on when you're at campus. I mean, you may be off work, but you're never off work because a kid walks up to you and says, hey, professor, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah, that happens when you live on campus. Yeah. Right, right. Now, do you guys live on campus now? I don't. Okay. They, they, they still do until he's transitioning and he's going to become the chancellor and then he'll move off campus and we'll have a new president. But okay. uh, yeah, it was it was a unique environment. You know, I, I'd say work-life balance is something that's tough for every entrepreneur, every leader. Right. Uh, but it's something that you've got to work with your family. You know, you you as a Christian, I think you're called first to your family mm-hmm. and then secondly to a job. Yep. And so you've got to make sure that you keep those priorities in check and that uh, you find ways to to exercise and be with your kids. And, you know, for me, I have to schedule in time. I have to make sure that I'm going to be relational. I, this is my time. I'm mm-hmm. going to I'm going to turn it off. I'm going to leave the, the phone uh, in another room and I'm going to just be with them. You know, it's, it's funny that you say that. I literally do the same thing. I have to schedule. Um, and, and not that I'm necessarily proud of this, but it's just the facts. So literally, I have a daily prayer list that I have to go through. And like I had to put specific things on there so that I will make sure that I get those things in a week you know, taken care of. And if, and if it pops up at 8 o'clock, I mean, I have it every morning at 8 o'clock. And if I don't 
respond to it when my alarm pops up to do it, I will look up and it'll be noon. You know, so I've sure. really had to train myself for that. Same thing with date night with my wife. It's scheduled on my schedule, so I've got it blocked out. Otherwise, I will plug something else into that spot. So I think that's uh, that's wise uh, that, you know, family first, you know, God first, family second, and everything else somewhere after that, and, and jobs are in there. Um, it's know, good Good news, bad news about loving your job mm-hmm. is you, you it, it can consume you. Right. But you can't, you, you've got to have some, some kind of work-life balance. Yeah, you know, and, and it's easier said than done. I, I'll tell you, you know, it's, it's uh, for me, I live close to the office. Um, I, you know, I go in and, and I, I enjoy work, you know. And so I know a lot of people, like, they hate Monday mornings and they can't wait till 5 o'clock gets there, you know, or whatever. For me, I'm, it's the other way around. I look up, it's 3.30 or 4 o'clock, and I'm like, oh, my, where did they go? It's already gone. I still got all this to do. And, and so... You know, that, like you said, it's it's kind of a blessing and a curse all at the same time. But I, I'd, I'd much prefer to enjoy what I do than to than to dread it. So I guess that's uh, that is uh, is what it is. Um, anything else that that uh, you know, when it kind of comes into just to the fun part of stuff that you like to do, just to kind of chill out. I mean, you know, I love reading. Uh, okay. Uh, my wife and I sometimes read read things together. Uh, I I love reading history. Uh, yep. That doesn't sound fun, but it is a good way for me to just. You know, follow the story of somebody else's life and get to see, you know, what happened with them. And so, you know, I heard somewhere before uh, several times, you know, uh, readers are leaders. That's right. <laughs> and uh, so that, that that probably that's that's, that's I could probably teach on that class. But I don't really like to read, to be honest with you. I like to listen to stuff. Sure. And so when you talk about history, so many people, they're not interested in that kind of stuff. But to me, I'm intrigued. It's, it's I mean, it never changes. It is history. It's the same. So once you get it down, you don't have to learn anything new. And it's so cool hearing about these stories of, of, you know, perseverance or whatever happened back in the quote unquote good old days. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really, uh, really interesting stuff. So, well, we'll, we'll wrap up, uh, you know, this segment and then right after the break, we'll be discussing with David Cook of Dallas Baptist University, their leadership program, kind of what he's currently working on and, and kind of what's next for him right here on KEXB Experts in Business. And welcome back to Texas Money and Business. My name is Ron Taylor. It's good to have you right here. An ambitious radio network is underway with Doug Parker and a very special guest here on the show today. Uh, some great sponsors to thank here. Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system, repairmycreditnow.com, and all3reports.com. That's all three, the number three, reports with an S.com. And Doug, uh, what a great guest. David Cook uh, here on the show today, and it's just a blessing to have him here. It is. It is. You know, when I grow up, Ron, I just hope I can have a radio voice like you. Oh, man, you're too kind. I, <laughs> I, I bought that on eBay years ago, and it's the best investment I ever made. You know, so Absolutely. thank you very much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, I appreciate you, you know, running the controls and, and keeping us flowing. You're the professional in the room when it comes to radio, so I'm, I'm so appreciative of that. I don't, I don't say that enough, but thank you for that. You. And um, as you mentioned, we do have David Cook here of Dallas Baptist University, DBU, and he's part of their leadership program, and he's done a lot of things over the years. But tell us, what, what's some of the stuff that you're proud of that you've worked on over the years? Well, you know, I, I love, we got to build this master's program that I direct that you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, kind of, got, kind of got to build it from the ground up. And so I got to look at the best of the best of what was going on uh, in higher education, but okay. also I talked to CEOs and people in nonprofits and just ask what they were needing from people who were who who they would like to be leaders in their organizations. And so we get to craft a a program that I think is pretty neat. You know, we we have great professors. My dad teaches in the program. Uh, we've got CEOs who teach in the program and it just allows 
those types of people to get to share some real world knowledge with our students. Yeah, I think there's so much of the theoretical world and then it's like the real world, you know. And so That's sometimes right. in theory this should work and then you get out there in the real world with playing with real ammunition, live ammunition and it's a, it's different. So that's that's really cool. You know, I think you had told me that you guys are kind of doing an advanced, maybe that's not the right words for it, but advanced leadership program that you can go through in five years. It's a master's program or something. Is that is that ready to go or is that going to be next year or, or do we know yet? Yeah, we just got approval. We're doing oh, these accel- accelerated degrees where – uh, we have a, we have a lot of students who come in with maybe 20 or, or 30 hours uh, of, of dual credits that, that they get during high school, mm-hmm. and yet they still want to have a four-year experience. So we've crafted these programs to where uh, you're able to get the get your master's degree alongside your uh, your undergrad degree in about a five-year time. And then if you came in with 30 hours, then it's actually really much, pretty much a four-year time period. That is fantastic. That's, that is real exciting. I uh, I'm trying to encourage my daughter. She she you know came in as uh, interest in teaching, and I think that's fantastic. Um, I, I'm I'm it's unfortunate that teachers are not appreciated more in in this uh, you know in this environment. Uh, they they have such an impression on kids, and she's great with kids. But I, I, I've, I've tried to talk her out of it pretty much the whole time, and I don't know if I've succeeded or not. But, <laughs> but I feel like leadership is applicable in any role that she's in. And so, you know, that's, that's how you and I started talking a while back. But I, I think she's, uh, she's considering it, so we'll, we'll see. And I'm happy to hear that the Accelerated Program is, is approved. Congrats on that. That's a, that's a really, uh, really big deal. Um, so, so what changes on that? I mean, what, you, know, you just kind of get in there, and, and you can just knock it out in, in back four, four to five years. Well, we structure it to where, you know, you're still getting the core academics. So you, yep. you, you get the, the, the great courses, but, but we find courses that overlap on some level okay. between the undergrad and the grad side. And it allows us to just craft a program that really helps students and um, gives them some extra training. We have a lot of students in our leadership program who came from uh, biz, the, the business school or, or psychology or education. Right. But I tell people, you know, no matter where you go, you're going to be leading people. Right. And so uh, our program can help you learn the nuts and bolts of how to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're either you're either leading or following, and and sometimes you're doing both of those things. Sure. But uh, but it's it's definitely to you know good good to have that that good quality leadership and have a formal training of how to go about doing that. And I had written on here kind of what's next, you know. But obviously that's probably one of the next things that you're working on. Obviously is getting some kids into that program. Yeah. Is there anything else you got out there three to five years that you're looking at that that you're kind of shooting for? That's the big thing right now. It's been a yeah. big, it's been a big challenge, and we've we've loved having students flow into this program. And I'm just looking forward to getting to you know invest in their lives, see where our graduates go from here. So. Cool, David. Tell us a little bit about your firm. Tell us who you you represent in general, and what your some of your your specialization is, if you will. Sure. And and for the time being, I'm I'm not actively practicing. I I, I have uh, I I'm still uh, of counsel at the, at my old firm, Cook and Gore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we started that as a way to reach out to a broad base of people. And I did mostly uh, our business law. I did some litigation, but mostly helping people, small businesses, helping them to learn, uh, you know, how they can do business better how mm-hmm. they can do it legally. Yeah. Uh, I help people with probate and estate planning, those yeah. kind of things. Yeah. Do you see any challenges in today's society right now? Uh, what are some of the cases that, that uh, you know, that you, in general, that you, you know, even though you're not practicing you know, per se, but you have uh, situations that may come up, some issues that may come up, do you, do you find that, that uh, things that are happening in society today may be a challenge to you as, a, as an attorney? Well, I'll say, um, you know, because I, I represented entrepreneurs, and I was one, so I, I understood how much 
how hard it is for them to understand all the regulations that are out there. Yeah. And so that was what I really enjoyed was just being able to, to come alongside them and help them to know, uh, you know, here's how we can operate. You, you, you still need to do your business, but let's, let's figure out how to do it in a way that, that really comports well with all of the laws that are out sure. there. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things you know I've seen over the years. It's the black and white. It's it's easy to stay out of the fray, but it's when you start flirting around with the gray areas that you can really get in a lot of trouble. And so that's where counsel you know can come in you know, come in handy. And and over the years, I've had both sides of it. I've I've done it where you're an entrepreneur flying by the seat of your pants. You just don't have that stuff set up yet, and sometimes it can be painful. That's and right. then other times where you know you you pay for good counsel and then it, it keeps you out of those issues so that's that's fantastic and good information well um david cook dallas baptist university he's uh like i said an attorney he's um you know teaching leadership at the school and it really literally grew up on the campus there but um you know it's it's exciting times we really appreciate you jumping on the show we're going to segue just a little bit for the next few minutes and talk a little bit about credit and just uh kind of kind of go through that so as a uh a credit expert you know there's things that people ask from time to time and and if you guys got any questions feel free to ask them but um i want to talk a little bit today about credit reports and really how often you should look at them so many people really only look at their credit reports every you know two to five years, maybe when they're buying a new car, maybe when they're buying a new house, something along those lines. And what you run into is there's a lot of damage that can get done between the last time you looked at your credit report and, and now. And so what we recommend, and one of our sponsors obviously is all3creditreports.com, but we recommend that you sign up for a credit monitoring service, whether it's that one or some other, so that you can check out and see exactly what's going on in your credit. I remember a time not too long ago where I'd had a vehicle I'd traded in like five years before, and they reported a late payment on me from like two years ago. And I'm thinking, I didn't even have this car for five years. That, there's no way it's even close to being right. And it just showed up in last month. So I, I had the credit monitoring, so it popped up and notified me. I went through, and of course, I'm in the business, so I've got it taken care of. The problem is so many people never see that kind of stuff. So they don't know what's going on if they're not monitoring their credit. So really recommend that you sign up for uh, the, the credit monitoring. And even uh, bigger than that is identity theft. There are so many folks that their identity is being stolen. You know, my son had it happen to him the other day. He was at Abuelo's. He left his uh, wallet there by accident, just kind of forgetful and left it. And then next thing we know, they're trying to, they're charging his car to get gas. And wow. then they went to Walmart. And then before we know it, they got a Walmart card, a Target card. Uh, I think a Home Depot card. I mean, they went crazy. They offloaded funds onto gift cards so they could be, you know, off his yeah, card. Absolutely. And then, and yeah. then they just went went off and did whatever they did. And so we, and he wasn't monitoring his credit. You know, he's only 20 years old, so he, he didn't think it made sense to do that. But um, we got some stuff in the mail and we've, I mean, tracked down all kinds of stuff on what they have done. And that's that's right in my family. And I'm, you know, I'm in the business. I get it. So I yeah. uh, really recommend that, that you monitor your credit because it really makes a, a huge difference in, in what's going on. And, and again, if there is an issue, you know, you get those things taken care of as, as soon as possible. And, and you can do things on your own. You can go to repairmycreditnow.com if you need some help with it. But uh, bottom line, that's, that's kind of how the program works. Um, Ron, you, you, I think you might have had a question on something the other day. Just curious with, about really, yeah. Doug, in general, and David, and you certainly chime in if you have a question, too, about a, a credit issue with with, uh, with Doug Parker here. What is the ideal credit score, uh, Doug? Because a lot of people, I think, are curious about something like that as they go into whether they're looking for a home or a car, anything to finance, even a credit card. What's the ideal credit score right now? Yeah, that's that's great. So credit scores typically go from about 300 to about 850. There's a bunch of different models out there. That's the FICO scoring model, and that's mm-hmm. what most people use. However, if you get ready to go buy a car or you're buying a house or you're just looking at some online uh, service, mm-hmm. they can vary a little bit. And mm-hmm. so the the bottom line is is that 
the old 700 was kind of like the the benchmark of where to be. Anything 700 or higher is, is where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's really more like 740 to 750. So if you've got a 750 or you've got an 850, there's really no difference in, in that. There really and there's not any programs typically that I've seen that you can get better stuff at 850 than 750. But um, you want to make sure what scoring model that you're looking at because a lot of these systems um, and the scoring models that are out there they they sometimes range from like 500 to 990 so a 700 is not so great on that model so just make sure that that you look at the models and and generally you want to be somewhere um, 750-ish is where you're shooting for and mm. you know there's no no guarantees on exactly how to get there but there's a there's a few pointers number one don't let anybody look at your credit unless it's absolutely necessary because every inquiry will negatively impact your score a little bit. Mm-hmm. Number two, don't go open up a bunch of accounts because that dips your score just a little bit because okay. it's a new relationship. It's kind of too new to rate. Uh, number three is keep your balances low, typically below 30% at any time. So if you've got a $10,000 card, never during the month have a balance over $3,000, even if you pay it off. Okay, because that will negatively impact the scores because they may not report it on the same day that you're doing that. And so those are just kind of the credit tips of the week. And again, we want to thank our sponsors at Ambitious Radio Network. We really could not do it without you. We want to thank our, our guest, uh, David Cook from Dallas Baptist University. And of course, Ron Taylor, the great voice of the show <laughs> and um, working the board and keeping us uh, on track. But uh, our sponsors, we got a new sponsor, Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system and Town Square Financial looking for a mortgage. These guys are great. I've worked with them for years. As for Jeff Janash at 972-292-7600, freeelectricitydfw.com, and of course, repairmycreditnow.com. Next week, tune in on Wednesday for Texas Money and Business right here on KEXB, Experts in Business at 10 a.m. We're going to have great guests just like we had today and just share their experiences in life in ways that can make you a better a better leader. Remember, you can make money or you can make excuses, but you can't make both. Go out there and be ambitious. <laughs>